You've worked hard for what you have, your money, your assets, your 401k and home. Isn't it all worth protecting? Nearly one in four consumers have been a victim of identity theft. LifeLock Ultimate Plus helps protect your finances with up to $3 million in reimbursement. LifeLock alerts you to identity threats you might miss. And if your identity is stolen, your dedicated U.S.-based restoration specialist will work to fix it. Let LifeLock help protect what you've worked so hard for. Save 25% off your first year on LifeLock Ultimate Plus at LifeLock.com slash aware. Terms apply. Hello, Jays fans, and welcome to a new week of the 1620 The Jays podcast. I'm John Bishop, and along with Josh Peterson and Connor Happer, we're going to take you around Creighton Athletics this week. Coming up on the show, we're going to talk to the reigning Big East Volleyball Defensive Player of the Week, Kiana Schmidt, who also had a bit of a surprise for her teammates this weekend that we'll share. Also, we're going to finish the second part of our interview with Connor Gandasi, Creighton assistant baseball coach. We'll talk pitching and defense and about the schedule that is coming out this spring for the Blue Jay baseball team. And speaking of that schedule, Connor Happer will take an inside look into all of the exciting non-conference and conference matchups, as well as a look around Creighton Athletics. And boy, what an exciting week it has been. Of course, the men's and women's basketball seasons got off to great starts. The Creighton men and women are both 2-0 and after their first week of play. The Creighton women getting a big win on the road at nationally ranked South Dakota State. That will set up a matchup against another ranked team, their in-state rivals from Nebraska. That will be a 6 p.m. tip-off on Tuesday night over at Sokol Arena. If there are still tickets available, please, Jays fans, get over there and support the Creighton women. GoCreighton.com is the address. And the men's soccer team getting a big win on Thursday afternoon as they eliminate the two-seed Seton Hall. 6 nothing was the final, and it was an historic performance by Big East Offensive Player of the Year, Duncan McGuire. Four school record-tying goals in a 6 nothing victory. That puts Creighton into the championship game where they can play for an automatic bid to the NCAA tournament. They will take on the regular season champs from Georgetown. That match will be Sunday morning at 10.30. Sunday morning at 10.30 Omaha time. You will be able to see that match on Fox Sports 1. Well, before we get to... Kiana Schmidt and talk some Creighton volleyball. A reminder that the 1620 The Jays podcast is brought to you each and every week by Barry Law. Your most important assets are your body, your mind, and your future. When those are jeopardized by an injury that isn't your fault, you need to fight back and regain your life. Call Barry Law at 402-999-7777 or visit barrylawfirm.com. At Barry Law, we fight alongside those who choose to fight back. And now... Here's Josh Peterson. All right. Thank you very much, John. We welcome now onto the podcast, Kiana Schmidt, who is now a two-time Big East Defensive Player of the Week this season, a part of a very successful Creighton volleyball team that currently sits 22-3 and with their uh, upcoming match with St. John's and Seton Hall over the course of the next few days. Kiana, thanks so much for joining us today on the podcast. How are you? I'm good. How are you? 
I'm doing excellent. What has this season been like for you, both individually and and team? You know, coming into a year with your individual goals, with your team goals, I have to imagine you're feeling pretty good right now. Yeah, it's been a great season. It's been a lot of fun. Um, definitely in preseason, um, it was tiring. Like we went a lot of five set games, um, and now like getting into conference, um, we have a little more time to like focus on individual things again. Um, at practice, get our legs back under us, and we're not so tired. Um, and work on like those individual goals. Um, but out on the court, it's been a lot of fun. What What is that balance like for you in terms of, I, I guess, making sure you're, you're all there physically, you're all there mentally, because, you know, it's one thing to, to have the, the rest maybe of an off season. And now you're a couple months into the season, I guess. How, how do you feel right now, just given that it's been a, you know, 20, 25 matches so far this year? Yeah, uh, really good. Our team does a great job of like working with our athletic trainer, you know, to like stay on top of injuries, not only like after they happen, but also before um, doing like some prehab stuff. Um, We also do like some visualization stuff. So like if your legs aren't feeling good, like taking like the reps mentally um, to give your legs a little bit to recover. Um, So it all just helps keep your body fresh. Well, as I mentioned in the open, you just picked up another Big East Defensive Player of the Week award. What what does that mean to you? What, What does that mean to you individually? Yeah. Um, I mean, as a middle, like my success only comes when everyone around me is doing a great job. Um, so I mean, like defensively, like is blocking, but that means like my pin hitters are doing a great job, like setting up the block. Um, so I can just get there and close or, um, the coaches are giving us good scouts of like knowing where to block, um, and do all that stuff. But then also like in terms of hitting, like I only get good sets if our passes are great. Um, and Kendra gives me a great ball. So um, to me, it just means like I'm part of a great team and they're all doing their jobs too. Let's talk about your career a little bit, Kiana. You know, going back to your freshman year, I wonder what it was like for you coming out of high school, multi-year starter to then coming off the bench, not playing in every single match. What what was that like for you going from a high school senior to a college freshman? Yeah, um, it was a big adjustment. Um, coming from high school to college, like the game got a lot faster um, and I could see I had a lot to learn. Um, so I just learned a lot from, I think Megan Ballinger and, um, like Naomi Hickman were the middles when I got here and they were both great role models for me to learn from. Um, and so just taking as much as I could learning in practice, um, and just doing my job on the scout side at that point to help get them better in games, um, knowing my time would come eventually. Did you, and speaking of that, knowing the time would come, did, did you then go into the off season then and, and, you know, moving forward over the last few years, kind of knowing where you needed to get better and where you wanted to get better. And I guess just kind of attacking that in, in the months following each year. Yeah, definitely. Um, the coaches are always good at giving you goals in the off season. Um, and I knew blocking was one thing I did have to get better at, um, taking a big first step to get all the way closed, um, was like a big thing that I worked on for a while. And then just like attacking different parts of the court, um, and so definitely a lot of time, like in the spring and the off season, we're spent on those things. Yeah, and I, I wonder what it's like, um, you know, because so often uh, us as fans and the media, we, we often will look ahead to, you know, future matches, big, big upcoming games, whatever it is in any sport. And, and of course, we hear from players, we hear from coaches. Hey, we got to focus on what's in front of us right now. You're having a very successful year. I know Creighton fans are, are dreaming big right now. Is that easy, difficult for you to to focus on what you have in front of you and not think to late November, early December? Yeah, um, Coach Booth does a great job of keeping us in the moment. Like before every game, she's like, this is the biggest game of the season, um, no matter who we're playing. Um, And so I think that really helps to just like you get this like scout for one game, like you focus on that one game, then you move on. Um, But we definitely do have big goals, um, especially like always getting stopped like the round of 32 since I've been here. Like we have big goals of Sweet 16 and beyond. Um, I think are also good, you know, like 
keep us motivated in practice. Like we want to do this, like keep working hard. Um, but definitely taking it one game at a time is very important because anyone can show up on any night um, and win. So you got to stay focused. Absolutely. I, I want to look back at, at the summer because you spent this summer as a certified nursing assistant. I, how in the world, how in the world do you balance doing that and also getting ready for a season? I just cannot imagine the grind, of course, physically, but also mentally. What was that like for you? Yeah. Um, so yeah, this spring I started um, as a CNA and worked in the spring and summer. I'm taking the fall off during the season, but hope to do that again um, this spring. Um, and it's, it was a lot, definitely some days um, trying to balance, like having fun with the team and like creating those bonds, but also trying to work. Um, and so like a lot of days, like we'd go, I'd work in the morning and then go straight to the pool with my team in the afternoon. Um, and then, you know, have open gym and practice later. So just full busy days. Um, but I feel like as a student athlete, that's what we love. So just keep it busy. Do you like, do you like that? Maybe the mental grind, you know, where you, you leave a day, and while it was tough and long, you, you the the feeling of accomplishment and maybe j- just feeling good about things. Yeah, I love it. Um, I think so. I'm like in the science majors, and so we spend a lot of time like studying and in class. And so I feel like that's just like the mentality you have to have of like you go to class, you go to practice, you study, and then take a deep breath and do it again. Um, and it definitely gets long sometimes. You got to take little mental breaks, but it's a lot of fun. Now, Kiana, I, I hear after an undefeated weekend, you uh, you and your teammates, you'll hit up ice cream spots to celebrate. Do, do you have a, a, a go-to? And and I guess, does the go-to order depend on maybe which ice cream place that you're going to that day? Yeah, um, this is definitely one of my favorite Creighton traditions. Um, I love ice cream. So it's been a lot of fun to get some road sweeps and get to go get ice cream. Um, I'd say I kind of have like two go-to flavors. I either like, like a vanilla ice cream with like cookie dough and like chocolate chips. Um, or I also yep. like fruity. So like sometimes like a strawberry cheesecake. So I look for those two first. Um, oh, interesting. Those features. are kind of on the opposite end of the end of the spectrum there. Yeah. Just, you know, whatever I'm feeling that day. So absolutely. She is Kiana Schmidt, two-time Big East defensive player of the week this season, upcoming matches uh, versus St. John's Friday this week, and then Seton Hall on Sunday. And uh, we'll continue to keep an eye on things moving forward throughout the rest of this season. Kiana, thank you so much for joining us today on the podcast. We appreciate it. Thank you. John, back to you. Well, the good news is Kiana is not done yet. After her interview with Josh, she announced via social media that she's coming back for a fifth season. She did so when she was shooting her senior video. And when she was asked to talk about her memories of Creighton, she said, well, I'm not done yet. And that's the way she announced it to her teammates. So welcome back, Kiana, for one more year with the Creighton Volleyball Program. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. 
Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer and set of offers. 15,178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE and Summit 4xE models in dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark. You've worked hard for what you have. Your money, your assets, your 401k and home. Isn't it all worth protecting? Nearly one in four consumers have been a victim of identity theft. LifeLock Ultimate Plus helps protect your finances with up to $3 million in reimbursement. LifeLock alerts you to identity threats you might miss. And if your identity is stolen, your dedicated U.S.-based restoration specialist will work to fix it. Let LifeLock help protect what you've worked so hard for. Save 25% off your first year on LifeLock Ultimate Plus at LifeLock.com aware. Terms apply. Well, last week here on the 1620 The Jays podcast, uh, Myself and Creighton assistant baseball coach Connor Gandasi went over the position players and some of the newcomers to expect this upcoming season for the Blue Jays. We're going to turn things over now to pitching. And of course, at the, in the same breath, we talk about replacing an Alan Roden and a Jared Wagner from a pitching perspective. You've had a guy the last couple of years at the top of your Friday rotation who has just been nails out. And I couldn't think of a better way for his home career to come to an end than by setting the school record for strikeouts in a single game. And I'm, of course, talking about Dylan to Brock. How do you go about I mean, it's oh, you always want to find that anchor, that guy, that Friday guy. But here's here's one that uh, is going to be tough to replace. How do you even go about the process of doing that? Yeah, that's uh, it's the million dollar question, right? I mean, Dylan, obviously, you knew. What you were going to get every time he went out there, seven, eight innings, sometimes, you know, a complete game. Um, he was going to be the most competitive kid on the on the field that that day. Um, and pretty much as an offense, you said, OK, we just got to score two or three runs and he's going to shut the other team down. So really challenging to do. Um, I think it's going to be a different look this year. I think we have guys that can get us into the fifth, sixth inning, and then we're going to turn it over to the bullpen, which we feel really, really confident in because we pretty much have returned everybody. Um, I, you're not going to replace Dylan. I'm not going to sit here and say we have a guy to replace Dylan. Um, I think we have pieces to pick up those 100 innings that we are we have lost. Um, I think the bullpen has the capability of picking up that slack. I think the starters that we have, you know, you you do return two thirds of your rotation, so it's not like the whole thing got wiped out. Right. Um, we we didn't really use Ryan Windham all that much because he was coming off that injury. We're we're you know we are planning on putting Ryan into the rotation. Um, you know, so there's a there's a possibility where we feel we have a four or five man rotation, and then in the bullpen we feel confident that we can go you know, seven, eight deep. So you're looking at a, a 12 to, to 14 person rotation on the mound um, that can kind of pick up that slack with Dylan. But you do return Dom Conciliari. You do return Cade Lomel. Um, and I think both guys are going to be different players this year. I, I think, uh, you know, Cade at times, it was a little bit too quick for him. I think he slowed it down a little bit. I would say the same thing about Dom. Uh, but you do return, you know, 200 you return you know half your innings out of your rotation and then you return Tommy Steyer out of the back end of the bullpen Dan Hammond Mark Lid is your setup guy um Paul Bergstrom comes back Malachi Vitak is going to have a bigger role this year 
Um, Tommy Lamb had a great summer up in the Northwoods. Um, you know, so you've got guys, and I'm and I'm going to forget some. I know I am, but sure. You, but have, that's a- you have guys that we feel confident uh, that can that can play a big role. And then on top of it, you're bringing in two pitchers, guys like Justin Klein Sorge, who, who was a D2 pitcher at Regis University, uh, had a tremendous strikeout per nine, um, pitched in high altitude. So the ERA, you know, probably sits at a four, which, you know, most people will be like, hey, you know, a, a D2 pitcher at a four, but his stuff's good. You know, he's 91, 93, will run it up to four with two different types of breaking balls. He's been a starter his whole life. Um, so that's the guy that you could possibly slide into Sunday, or if not, you got a guy in your midweek that has thrown 200 plus college innings. Uh, and then a guy by the name of Tommy Gross from Nyack Community College um, is electric. I mean, we're talking 93, 96 with a slider that's 85, 87. It's got some serious run and sink on it. It can be a little erratic at times, but man, when he is on, you could tell him what's coming and the other team's not going to hit him. I mean, it is electric stuff. Um, so again, like we feel confident with those guys we have, um, you know, and there were times where, you know, Cade, we shut down for the entire fall. Um, you know, Cade didn't even throw in the UNO game and, and we threw some, we didn't even throw some of the freshmen that we feel confident in. So you're talking, you know, 14, 14 guys that you can kind of make a play at it for, for, you know, some innings. Was there ever consideration? I mean, I know Tommy Steyer, who, who uh, was one of the Big East uh, save leaders um, and and could gobble up innings, a guy who could get you just three outs but could probably stretch it out. In fact, there was a couple of times this year he stretched it out beyond 14, 15 outs. Was there ever consideration of maybe changing his role a little bit, putting him into the weekend rotation, or is he just so valuable because of his versatility that you really want him out of that bullpen because then you can use him multiple times on a weekend? Both. (laughs) I mean, I think, (laughs) uh, you know, I think there's certainly, I'm not saying the consideration is out. I mean, obviously uh, Mitch Mormon and and coach service kind of, you know, they anchor the, the pitching side of it, but when I'm in those talks, I would say that there's still some consideration. And I, I know if Tommy was sitting next to me, he would be nodding his head. And we all know Tommy you know, voices his opinion. He's not going to be shy about that. So nope. um, I think perhaps it, it could happen. I'm not going to sit here and say it's not you know going to happen. But he is such an anchor on the backside. And, and, and when those games are on the line and we play so many one-run games anyway or, or tight ball games, we have to have that guy in the back end. Um, and when that gate opens and he runs out on that field, I mean, he's pretty much running on the field before coach even waves him in. Um, I, I, I think it's just too valuable, you know, and, and, and that's my opinion, but, um, Tom wants it, you know, and I think, but at the same time, Tommy's going to do what we ask him to do. And I think that's why he's such a special guy. Um, he's willing to sacrifice his own personal goals for the betterment of the team and to, to win a championship. So, I, I don't have an answer for you right now. I'm not going to sit, you know, if, if you come down to the dugout. It could always April, change. <laughs> yeah. I mean, if you come down to the dugout in April and you're like, hey, I, you know, Steyer's starting and I, you know, you, you sat here in November. So I'm not saying it's not going <laughs> to I gonna, won't hold that against you. <laughs> I'm not saying it, it's not going to happen, but at this point, I think he's, he's so valuable. But, you know, at the same time, I think what we've seen in the playoffs with, you know, them bringing their shutdown guys in the sixth or seventh inning, fifth inning, I think we can still do that. I know Buck Showalter did that with Edwin Diaz in, in, in the sixth inning at times this year. 
Um, I think we have the capability of having guys on the back end. If we were in some some danger zones with with that game, throw Tommy in the sixth inning for an inning or two, and then you know you could close the game with another one or two guys on the back end. As we mentioned, you're you're also the recruiting coordinator, so you're you are in on all of these guys in terms of you know going out and finding new arm talent. And so much of the professional game is about velocity, velocity. What 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 trickle down effect has that created? When you're out there trying to find the next young, you know, freshman or transfer, it, are, are, are you seeing that same philosophy of I've got to throw harder, harder, harder? And knowing that sometimes those arms can be at a premium, we sometimes forget that a great pitcher, you know, a, a, a Kyle Hendricks type still has a lot of value in this game. How, 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 how has it kind of changed things on the recruiting trail when you go out and scout pitchers? everybody's throwing harder now um you know that 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 goes for sophomores in high school freshmen in high school i mean everybody's throwing hard um you know when i was in college which wasn't that long it feels like a long time ago but it wasn't really um according to the calendar um <laughs> you know if you saw 88 91 you were like hey this guy's bringing it um and now the average fastball in the division one level is 89.8 um and that's the average fastball so i think on our end from a recruiting standpoint you want guys that can have swing and miss stuff. So that can be off speed. That could be a fastball. It's got sink. So in terms of our philosophy, we look at strike throwing and then we look at swing and miss. Um, and if you can do both of those things, obviously you're going to pitch a ton in this program. Uh, I don't want to sit here and say we, we chase stuff all the time. I think if you chase stuff that can get you in some danger because then those walks will start, you know, piling up. Um, and I think if you look at it from a standpoint of, you know, I think you can still have stuff and not walk people. These guys are pitching on TV or they get drafted. Um, you know, so I think what Coach Mormon has done with the development of our pitchers is tr tremendous um, just in a short time here. Um, so I think, you know, if you can you can trust your process uh, and and not have to, you know, rely so heavily on velocity, I think it's, it's probably better. But, you know, I think if you ask Coach right now from where his teams were, 10, 15 years ago to where they are now, um, you know, we have probably 12 to 13 to 14 guys that all throw 90. So I think it's a lot, you know, compared to what he used to have. Oh, and absolutely. At least the stories that he tells me. So, um, <laughs> you know, we, we try to find that balance. But, you know, we have some freshmen that do throw hard. You know, we have Anthony Watts from from Waukee. He's it's been up to 94, 95 in high school. Mason Cook has been up to 94. Mason's a local player. Mason Cook's been up 94, 95. Shane Curtin's a left-hander for us. That's a freshman that's, you know, 88, 90. Uh, ben Ayala's a local kid. He's 87, 90. Um, so, you know, again, those those young guys are, are right at that, you know, average level in terms of velocity. Anthony and, and Mason are probably a little bit above that. But um, I think what all four of them do really well is they throw strikes. Um, and I think that's why they have a capability of, of helping us specifically, you know, some of those guys. Yeah. What other things do should we be looking for as we get closer to next season? Other changes? I, I understand there might be a new third base coach this year. Huh. Um, can, yeah. can you tell us a little bit more about him? You know, uh, who do we blame if something goes wrong, if a guy gets sent and the, the ball's already halfway to the plate? Uh, but, but it, it, all joking aside, Connor's going to take over at third base. And that's, that's an interesting move considering coach service has been there for, for two decades. Yeah. I, I, uh, it was kind of like 
you know, I'm Italian, so I'm gonna I'm gonna use this analogy. It felt like a like almost like a mafia setup. I was like, what are you trying to? Because <laughs> you know, he called me. He calls me randomly in the summer, and he says, "Hey, you know, I've been doing some thinking. What do you think about going out to the field?" And I said, "What do you mean?" And he's like, "What do you think about coaching third base?" And I'm just like, "Well, we need to talk about that." I used to coach first base, you know, at St. Louis University, and then junior college, I coached third base. But I haven't been on the field uh, since you know the twenty, the spring season of 2017 um i felt like when when coach hired me here it was more important for me to be in the dugout um to talk game plan um and and kind of coach the hitters up before they walk to the plate um coach says hey i think it's i think it's best for the team i think you know it's the right move if you're good with it let's do it um so you know we gave it a go this fall it was really a, a interesting transition for me just being closer to the action um, having to try to process the information when I came back to the dugout was interesting. Um, it's fun though. You know, it's a lot of fun to be out on the field. Um, you have the opportunity to interact with the players a little bit more when the action's happening. So that's a lot of fun. Um, you know, I think we'll, we'll see, you know, we'll see how long coach has me out there. We'll see how long I last. Hopefully I don't get too many guys thrown out, but, um, I'm aggressive. I want to be aggressive. I want to push the issue. I want the, you know, the other team to make plays. Um, you know, we're not going to be reckless, but at the same time, force the other team to do it. So I'll be at third base. Um, you know, I'll definitely be colder this, this spring. That's for sure. <laughs> yeah, that's see, that's the real reason. It's like, you're in the dug, you're closer to the heat, especially when, you know, we're playing a 35 degree day in mid March, you know, over at the Chuck when the wind's coming through If That's the real reason you want to stay in the dugout. For sure. No, I mean, it, it'll be different. It'll be fun. Yeah. Um, I'm excited about it. It's a new challenge for me. Uh, I think it'll be a challenge for coach, though. You know, I think uh, he'll be given signs from the dugout. But um, I, I think it's it, it'll be fun. It'll be fun for both of us because now he's going to interact with the players uh, on the offensive side during the heat of the game. So I think, you know, that's that's going to be and I think he's got a lot of good things to say before they walk up to the plate and things like that. So. I think it'll be a, a lot of fun for the both of us. I would say another change, um, you know, we're, we're looking into which kind of pitch comm system we kind of want to investigate in, uh, whether it's, you know, the wristbands that shoot the text message to or whether it's the earpiece for the catcher. So we're kind of weighing the pros and cons of each one and kind of what we want to do. But, you know, you've been doing it a long time with us. You know, we like to play fast. And I think um, it's going to help us even more speed the game up even faster, you know, especially on our end where you know if we do have a wristband then your catcher your your pitcher your middle infield and your outfield are all getting that sign so i think it's going to happen quick um and i think we don't even have to worry about the pitch clock we never had to to begin with at, right. at our place but i think it's going to go even faster which kind of is a huge advantage for us because we like to put pressure on the other team to begin with you sure you don't want to just hold up giant cards you know what that that lasted what about one season and i think yeah that... if it if it even lasted that full season i mean that, yeah. that was about one uh, i saw it the one time i was like okay well that's interesting i've never seen anything like that that was really, neither have i really intriguing uh it was a little bit too much for me but i'm not gonna I'm, I'm, if that makes them happy um and then on the flip <laughs> side with the, with the schedule we'll open up down at you know uh mcneese state you know for lake down in lake charles louisiana the following weekend, we'll go to Coastal Carolina, which is great. That'll be a, a tremendous Fantastic. challenge for our Former College World Series champion. Uh, yep. And then uh, we'll go out to California, Cal State Northridge. 
Um, and then we got some nice home cooking. Wichita State will come to town. I know everybody will be fired up about that. We'll go up to Minnesota up at the bank where the Vikings play. Um, so we'll go up there and play them. Uh, UNLV will come into town for a double midweek. Um, St. Thomas is going to come back down and play us. We also have BYU coming in to play us. So that'll be a nice little challenge as well. Um, so, yeah, I mean, we got a cool little schedule to put together. Obviously, the Big East names, um, Xavier has got to come to us. UConn's got to come to us. Um, St. John's has to come to us. Right. And then Villanova has to come to us. We'll be on the road for Seton Hall. Uh, we'll be on the road for Butler, and we'll be on the road for Georgetown. Well, it's a lot to process and uh, a lot to a lot of work to get done between now and, of course, next February when everything gets fired up. Uh, cannot wait. Uh, and the best part is, for those of you uh, who enjoy baseball on the radio, we're bringing back the radio broadcast this year at home, and maybe, knock on wood, we can uh, work in a road trip or two. That's what I point. need. Yeah, I need you on the road. <laughs> and I think all the fans need that too. We need we need we need you on the road. I think that would be awesome. I would love to do it. And I look forward to getting the Jays back on the radio. Of course, it'll still be on the video stream as well. But uh either way, uh we want to make sure we get the folks out to the ballpark. That's the most important thing. Come on out and support the Jays. Connor, we always appreciate the time. Thanks a lot. Great to catch up with you and uh we will certainly uh, do it again here as we get closer to the season. Thanks, John. I appreciate you having me on. And now for more on that baseball schedule, here's Connor Happer. All right. Thank you, John. Welcome back. More of the 1620 The Jays podcast for this week. We like doing these schedule breakdowns. So we did one for the men's and women's basketball team, and we got a request this week. So by popular request, we are doing a Creighton baseball schedule breakdown I'm a baseball guy, so I can't wait till the spring gets here. That's that's just my own. So I took it upon myself, dug into some numbers on the schedule this year for Creighton, and we're going to take a look closely at their schedule. First blush, I mean, first of all, you know we're we're in November now, so we have a long winter in front of us here. Uh, but the baseball season starts, you know, right around Valentine's Day, so it, it comes early in college. If you're interested, first blush here. Uh, you know, Creighton's put together a schedule. You know, in the Big East, it's it's can be a little difficult to rack up RPI. In fact, in some cases, Creighton's going to get dinged for the teams that they're playing, even if they are beating them. As far as how the how, how the RPI works, so you want to put yourself in good position to make the NCAA tournament. You know, the the road to Omaha, make a regional um, before you get to the conference tournament weekend, because you know that you're going to have to U- UConn to deal with. And we'll talk about UConn. They're sort of the uh, the the standard the 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 king of the conference at the moment. Creighton gave them a great push last year and, and ultimately fell short. That was a that was a super regional team. Once again, we'll, we'll talk about them in a little bit. But what you're trying to do is you're trying to put yourself in position to make the NCAA tournament as an at large team in the uh, in the in the in case you don't make the uh, or you don't win the conference. So. Uh, first blush, I think Creighton's done a, as good of a job as, as you can at doing that. I mean, th- there's some of baseball and, and scheduling, and it, it could be difficult to try and cut that path out for you se- yourself. Who are you playing, especially for these northern teams? Who are you playing? Creighton's one of them. Who are you playing? Where are you playing them? Do you have a chance to actually win the games? Because that's an important part of this, too. Now, you would think, 
okay, maybe we could just stack the schedule and let's go let's go south um, every weekend for the first month of the year and let's go play Texas and let's go play Florida and let's go play all the College World Series teams for last year and just rack up the RPI. Well, the problem with that is you actually have to win some games. So the balance that Ed Service and, and really other – you know, every other Northern coach, what they're trying to find is how do we schedule games where we can play them, first of all. And if we go there for a three-game series and it's our first time outside or it's our second time outside, um, we want to challenge ourselves, but we also want to make sure we can get some wins too if we can. And And I think by first blush here, Ed Service and his crew have done a really nice job at this. I mean, we'll, we'll, we'll take a look at the non-con here to start in, in February 17th through the 19th, first weekend of the year there in uh, Lake Charles, Louisiana, playing McNeese State. Last year, McNeese State is – I mean, these these early conference they're, – they're going non-conference. They're going to be tough always, especially getting outside for the first time. Who knows how the weather will hold up in really early February. Maybe you're able to get outside in January like you were for a couple of days last year. Um, we'll talk about the weather and how that affected last year uh, within this in, in this thing as well. But you're in McNeese. Uh, you're, you're at McNeese State in the first weekend. It's a Southern school. It's a tough challenge. They won 34 games last year. They lost in their conference title series. But what I try to keep an eye on for these non-con games is where they finish in the RPI. So you'll notice that you know after we after we balance out. Um, you know, it, it really starts to get right around the area where Creighton finished. So Creighton, remember, 31-18 and 18 last year, RPI of 88. Uh, McNeese finished with an RPI of 165. Of course, that doesn't tell you everything about what you need to know, but it gives you sort of a ballpark of where these sort of programs are going to be. So, I mean, that that can help you. A, a road a road series win with, you know, a, a mid-range, um, a mid-100s RPI team, that can help you. Coastal Carolina, you ratchet it up for weekend number two. You're going to Conway, South Carolina, a team that won 39 games last year. Remember, they pushed East Carolina to game seven in their own regional last year in Greenville. Um, they beat Virginia. They eliminated Virginia from the NCAA tournament. Sunbelt, it's a tough conference. Coastal Carolina finished last year with an RPI of 29. So to be able to sort of get that, and this is a nice little spot for them, second weekend, not first weekend, Second weekend where you you have some baseball under your belt, you've been outside, you've done the travel thing one time, maybe you have a better idea of what your arms are going to look like and, 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 and all the rest after playing one weekend of ball. Immediate test with Coastal Carolina. It, it sets up really well. I, I like how they set that up. That's how you want it. Week number two, it's it's going to be tough. Um, now, it doesn't mean you have to go down there and lose it, but – these are games where you can, you know, you can lose to a Coastal Carolina who you know is going to be perennially really good, um, and it doesn't ding you too much. Now, if you can get one or two or three, obviously, you know, you, you've put yourself in really prime position for, you know, the aforementioned NCAA tournament berth that early in the season. So that's what's on the line and something like that. You come back, you head back out to California the next weekend. So the first three weekends, Louisiana. South Carolina, Cal State Northridge, um, which is you know just outside of LA, uh, first weekend in March, March third to the fifth, 
Um, it's a halfway decent team. Last year, they won 32 games in the in the Big West, which we we've seen the Big West in Omaha before in the in the College World Series. So um, the Matadors, uh, but Creighton takes the sort of annual trip out that way, and um, they'll do so again this year after testing themselves quite a bit in the first couple weekends. Maybe as an opportunity to pick up some wins. Then you got baseball in Omaha on March 7th. Now not at Charles Schwab Field. They're going to visit. Uh, the Mavs at Tal Anderson on on the uh, on the seventh of March. Uh, remember, Omaha won the, Omaha won the state last year. Omaha won the city. Omaha won the state. Um, so you know Creighton lost to to Omaha two times last year, and that basically decided your state title. With you know Nebraska not having the team that they that they wanted last year either. So I mean I, I'd imagine you know, they'll play Omaha um, once more during the season uh, in, in the midweek a little bit later. But I imagine there's some there's some juice for this as much as you can in, in early March in, in Omaha. And then BYU uh, comes to town for the uh, for the opening weekend at Charles Schwab Field. Man, year two of calling it Charles Schwab Field. I'm already getting it right. That feels actually really good. March 9th through the 11th. So BYU made a trip to Nebraska last year. So they're, they're coming back. And here's the – and I always mention this – the scheduling perk, you know, the the things that you can sort of get away with on your schedule by being Creighton, by being Nebraska, by being Omaha, is there are going to be teams that want to take a trip to to Omaha just to see it, maybe to play in the ballpark, and that's what I think Creighton could get a series like that a year where uh, do you really want to? And Nebraska does the same thing. Uh, maybe I don't want to play. Um, I'm not particularly interested in coming to the state of Nebraska in March, but um, we want to get our team the experience, and we want to we want to have our team see it, and you know, sort of imagine it, things like that. So you get BYU for three, uh, the first I guess the second weekend in March, March third or March ninth through the eleventh. That'll open up Charles Schwab Field for the year. Um, they beat Nebraska by the way, three out of four in Lincoln last year, uh, and so Creighton finished with the RPI of 88 last year. BYU finished with an RPI of 101, right around that same mark. K-State in the midweek at home on the 15th of March. You know, same type of deal. Finished with an RPI of 98. Wichita, back on the schedule for three games. Love this home-and-home series. And I know, I know, Creighton fans always feel some type of way about Wichita. Jays took two out of three from Wichita last year. In Wichita, they were a little down, RPI 145. Um, But this is always... A fun series, bring back memory, brings back memories. You know, maybe even remember uh, the College World Series in the early '90s as well. Uh, then the first matchup with Nebraska uh, last year. Only Nebraska Creighton only played one time, um, and they and the Jays were able to win that one, three to two. So you got some local flavor in uh, in March here. K-State, Wichita State, Nebraska filling up, uh, what here, five games from March 15th to the 21st. Then Minnesota. I mean, this is a this is a bad team last year. You go to Minnesota. Um, their RPI was in the mid-200s. Creighton swept the series in Omaha last year. It's a good team to have on the schedule. Um, you can sort of get your bearings about you. And, and maybe, you know, we'll see how the Gophers are able to rebound, but... That was basically three free wins when Creighton played him a year ago. So, um, you know, that's that's the state of the program for the for the Gophers. 
at Kansas in the midweek. This is a this is a team that's starting to rebound a little bit as a program. I always thought they should be a little bit more competitive than they than they have been in the Big Twelve. RPI 158 last year at KU in Lawrence in the midweek on March 29th. Uh, and then you start conference play. And, you know, you start by then. So this is always the challenge. Like you have, it's almost a math equation. You have Creighton, you're trying to build up a schedule to the point where you can rack, enough, rack up enough wins, have your RPI in a steady enough place, have a couple signature ones on there as well also have test yourself because when you go into conference play it's it's just not going to move the needle much as it pertains to the NCAA tournament scene until the final you know weekend of the regular season when Creighton welcomes in UConn and we can you can only hope that um that is you know a series with everything on the line as it was last year. I love the fact that the conference puts those teams up against each other to finish off the regular season, and Creighton gets them in Omaha this year, uh, March, or I'm sorry, May 18th through the 20th. Didn't beat UConn last year. Obviously, they went to a Super Regional, um, knocked off Maryland in a crazy regional, pushed Stanford all the way to three. They lost late, remember? Um, And the Big East Championship is, is in Ohio this year. But, you know, if you can hold steady and, you know, you look at some of the teams, St. Thomas on opening weekend, uh, Jays won both last year. Villanova in Omaha the next weekend, Jays won both matchups last year. At Georgetown, uh, middle of April, so the 14th through the 16th, uh, Jays won all three against Georgetown last year. So we're talking about 3-0, 2-0, 2-0, 7-0 against your top, you know, against the against your first three conference opponents last year, you're going to want to hold serve there. Then Nebraska in Lincoln during the midweek in the middle of April, uh, April 18th. Uh, Then back to the conference, St. John's at home this year. Creighton swept in Queens uh, last year. So 10-0 against your first four conference opponents that you're going to see. Just trying to keep track of that as we go. Then you bring in... You try and test yourself a little bit in the midweek with with the Big East sort of the way it is. Um, UNLV is coming in town. Two in the midweek in late April. Um, that's a spot where the northern teams can actually get some get some teams on the schedule if you can make it happen from a from a logistical standpoint. Maria finals right around this time as well, and that's always sort of a tricky thing. UNLV finished with an RPI of 111 last year, always pretty competitive. Uh, you get two at home with the Rebs in the midweek, then back to Big East play at Butler. Creighton took care of Butler last year. Three games, won all three of them. So 13-0 against your first five conference opponents. Xavier uh, on March, or I'm sorry, May 5th through the 7th. Creighton won two out of three there last year. And then they split games in the Big East tournament. So Xavier is sort of the top contender. I mean, just this is routinely uh, in the Big East. Creighton sort of, Xavier is sort of the top contender to Enter that top two picture. Uh, Creighton held serve last year and, and looked to do so, obviously, again this year. And, um, you know, Seton Hall, after that, you split that week in May with a Nebraska game midweek at, uh, at the Chuck. Omaha one more time, and then you get UConn. And um, you just hope you live, <laughs> you, you hope you're in a world where it can come down to that weekend again. Cause I think that'll be a truly cool thing for 
I mean, for 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 Creighton, obviously, for the city, and and send you into potentially a, you know a Big East tournament after that, and and then uh, hopefully an NCAA tournament. Uh, it, it's it's going to be a fun year, and and you know I think this is a program that is just as steady as ever. You know what their identity is. You know who they're going to be. Um, and they're always going to have, you know, a guy or two who um, is going to go on to play professionally. That's sort of been the mo for Ed Service at Creighton. There's just they've they've had really good teams, um, and then they've had normal good teams, <laughs> and that basically is the range of Creighton baseball. You're either good or you're really good, and that's a good place to be in. And and you're gonna ha- you're gonna have a couple pros and maybe a pitcher and and maybe a hitter as well. Um, it should be a fun year again for Jays baseball, but it's a shame almost that you know you, it's it's hard to really dive in from a you know and this as the weather warms up the weather um, as the weather warms up the the sort of enthusiasm for it goes up around the city um, so that's cool and that's that's just a normal thing with baseball. You might pay attention on February seventeenth because you're opening the season and then. Um, and then maybe you forget about it for a while, and that's where Creighton will get a lot of its work done as far as their schedule is concerned. So I'll highlight, you know, I'll highlight that Coastal Carolina series. It's massive for them, February 24th to the 26th. Obviously, all the conference series, you got to take care of business there. Um, but there's a couple there's a couple home matchups in the non-con, BYU, UNLV, that are going to be important for Creighton to take care of. Teams sort of right around their range in the RPI. Um, we're going to have some more time to break this thing down. And then, of course, the the uh, the local rivals as well with Nebraska and Omaha. You want to take care of business there. Here's my thing. Make a trophy. Can we make a trophy? And, you know, it gets to stay wherever it stays. In the, they all play each other, you know, two or three times a year. Or make it an official thing and make it a tournament. Uh, and, you, and you play for it and... and uh, you get, somebody gets to raise the trophy at the end of the year. Just an idea buried in the 1620 The Jays podcast this week. Uh, this week. All right, you asked for it. We delivered. If you guys have anything else um, you think we missed or, or, or you want us to talk about and dive into at least a little bit, let us know. Um, at Connor Happer, at Josh Tweederson, at, at John Bishop. Um, John Bishop 71, I believe. Um, so you can check us out there. Uh, but appreciate you guys listening this week. Excited for another big week in in Creighton Athletics and we'll talk to you next week. Back to you, John. Thanks, Connor. As we mentioned, it is a busy week for Creighton Athletics. It all gets started this weekend, Friday night. The Creighton volleyball team is in action against St. John's. Jake Eisenberg will have the call. You'll be able to hear that match on 1180 The Zone starting at 630. Then we get to Sunday. And Jake will be back on the mic for Creighton Women's Volleyball against Seton Hall. Again, 1180 The Zone is the place. 1 p.m. start time for the Creighton Women's Volleyball team. Then we get to Monday. The Creighton Blue Jays, the men, back on the floor at CHI Health Center Omaha as they take on Holy Cross. Pre-game coverage begins with Ravi Lula and Blue Jay shoot-around 
exclusively on 1620 The Zone at 6 p.m. Then Nick Ba and I will have the call for you starting at 7.30, tip-off at 8 o'clock against Holy Cross. And then after the game, you'll be able to catch overtime with Jimmy Allen live from DJ's dugout as soon as our broadcast ends from courtside. And don't forget all men's basketball games this season, both on 1620 The Zone and 101.9 The Keg. Then big matchup, top 25 ranked Nebraska versus number tw- or top 25 ranked Creighton, the women. On Tuesday night, 6 o'clock, Josh Peterson will have the call. That'll be heard on 1180 The Zone, Creighton hosting Nebraska. Of course, Ravi Lula has the Creighton Athletic Hour every single week, every Wednesday night at 6 on 1620 The Zone. Back to next Thursday, Blue Jay men's basketball. Final tune-up before they head to Maui and the Maui Classic. UC Riverside is the opponent. 6 p.m. is pregame show time with Ravi Lula. 7.30 is the tip-off time and overtime with Jimmy Allen immediately follows on 1620 The Zone and 1019 The Keg. And we will be keeping you very uh, much abreast of everything that's going on in Creighton Athletics throughout the course of the week. Uh, Of course, new Creighton podcasts, our 1620 The Jays podcast, drop each and every Friday. You can check it out on 1620thezone.com or wherever you find your podcasts. And also follow us on Twitter, at 1620thejays, and you'll always get updates on the freshest podcasts from yours truly, Connor Happer and Josh Peterson. One more reminder that Creighton men's soccer in the Big East Championship match against Georgetown 10:30, and that match will be seen on FS1. We'll have a lot more coming up next week as we take you around Creighton Athletics. The 1620 The Jays podcast is brought to you each and every week by Barry Law. Your most important assets are your body, your mind, and your future. When those are jeopardized by an injury that isn't your fault, you need to fight back and regain your life. Call Barry Law at 402-999-7777 or visit barrylawfirm.com. At Barry Law, we fight alongside those who choose to fight back. For my colleagues, Connor Happer and Josh Peterson, I'm John Bishop. The 1620 The Jays podcast brought to you by Barry Law is a co-presentation of Creighton University Athletics and NRG Media Omaha. You've worked hard for what you have, your money, your assets, your 401k, and home. Isn't it all worth protecting? Nearly one in four consumers have been a victim of identity theft. LifeLock Ultimate Plus helps protect your finances with up to $3 million in reimbursement. LifeLock alerts you to identity threats you might miss. And if your identity is stolen, your dedicated U.S.-based restoration specialist will work to fix it. Let LifeLock help protect what you've worked so hard for. Save 25% off your first year on LifeLock Ultimate Plus at LifeLock.com aware. Terms apply.